Nothing in this podcast is intended as investment advice, and the people in this podcast may have a position in the stocks they talk about. Do not buy anything based solely on a tip or recommendation or the content of this podcast. Do your own research. Welcome, Steve Quar, to the All Points West podcast. Steve is the chief executive of Arima Communications, which is the AIM-listed comms and events business. Steve, Arima is a bit more than a comms business, though, isn't it? Because that makes it sound like you're just another PR company. And, and what you do is really specific. You kind of organize promotional marketing events for a blue chip list of clients, including the likes of YouTube, the Wall Street Journal, Disney, Vodafone, Microsoft, to name just a few. So, Steve, how would you describe what Arima does? So Arima Communications PLC is is the PLC holding company, if you like, for two of our creative agency brands. It's a marketing services group, and that's kind of a wide label in the industry. We specialize in experiential and live engagement with different audiences for different brands. We have two key agencies, Cheerful 21st, which is our brand experience agency based in London, New York, and Amsterdam, and Eventful, which is a venue search, incentive travel, and hospitality part of the business, which is a smaller boutique agency. We created a fantastic reputation in the industry for engaging with audiences. To use some of the marketing jargon, we concentrate on B2E, I uh, business talking to the employer, internal engagement and presentations and conferences. Or B2B, more strongly in part of our industry, is uh, brands talking to their clients. So that's trade marketing, experiential exhibitions and conferences, uh, and not too much B2C. Just looking at your website, uh, some of these events are quite special, really. There was one that you did for YouTube quite recently. Just talk us through, just to give listeners a little bit of a flavour about what it is that we're talking about here. It's not just getting people together in a conference room and, and then going through some PowerPoint slides, is it? No. I mean, let, 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 let's talk about what really is the process. Huge amount of strategic insights and kind of all the, working out the audience demographics. Obviously, we have a brand or a client who wants to engage with the audience. If you look at YouTube, for example, they want to talk to their customers to sell more advertising and more reach. They wanted to create a live experience where they invited all their kind of top clients into a room and we created that experience. And it's it's multifaceted. You know, we're talking about content as in presentations, why they're saying it, how they're saying it, as well as the production of it, which would be video content and presentations. Uh, we actually created an experience which is actually in three rooms in a specific venue, which involves lighting, staging, sound, design and creating that whole experience that makes sense and has purpose with a, a measurable output as well, which is key. Uh, and that was held over three days. Again, to a resounding success, huge amount of engagement. Uh, can't give you the specifics, but YouTube are very, very, very happy, and the, ups, the upside and the uplift and the sales conversations have been huge. Um, so that's a snapshot, and that's what we would call, I guess, an event, a live event being the, the, the world we can use again since post-COVID. Um, uh, and that's kind of what we do. Uh, there's another piece to that, which there may be a virtual stream or content piece around a virtual experience. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like uh, when I was watching it, I thought it's far more rock and roll than your average conference center and a few curled up sandwiches, isn't it? You know? Yeah. I mean, this is a, and I would say that a highly creative, smart, insightful marketing experience. Yeah. It's, it's not a screen on a stage to 
put a presentation on. That's another end of the spectrum. Yeah, this is a marketing tool for them to engage with the audience. And it is, but and it's a wonderful, wonderful way to bring in theatre and emotion and experience. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, creativity is, is the root of everything we do. You know, it's, it's a very creative experience. It, it's been called industrial theatre or brand theatre. Uh, you know, that, that emotional experience and that connection is such a powerful thing. We do yeah. a fair amount of research. We run a thing called Brand Playbook, which is our audience insights piece. And the, and the in-person experience has come back even more powerful since the pandemic. That connection with something in a room to see the, you know, literally the whites of their eyes and shake their hand and have an engagement piece has come back much higher up the marketing table. Uh, there's much more value around that, and that's why we have actually ridden that, ridden that wave and driven that wave as well. So that's created a, a huge value in that piece. Going back to your point, you know, you're not going to get that by putting a screen in a room and a piece of PowerPoint. So Arima comprises two businesses, Cheerful 21st. Just to give a bit of history, am I right in saying that you founded that agency back in 1985? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, the 21st part is an agency I started way back. I was very fortunate. You don't look old enough, Steve. I don't look old. Thank you. Very fortunate. I was a, <laughs> a wheel. I started my first agency at 21. Um, I guess you uh, would say I was fortunate and talented enough to land what I guess you'd call an apprenticeship at one of the first computer animation houses back in the day, back in Primrose Hill. And I started off there as a trainee designer, graphic designer. And as is my want, after three years, I was a studio manager and I saw an opportunity to start my own agency. And it was called 21st Century Communications. I thought it was very futuristic. Certainly the thing I'd be doing in the 21st century. But that's how I got into it. And the 21st part and that live experience piece is what's led into Cheerful 21st. And the Cheerful 21st is a blend of two agencies. Cheerful Scout was an agency that produced lots of film content and some events. And we joined up about 12 years ago. And then the eventful part of the business is is a separate business that you acquired in March 2020. Is that right? Yeah. Being public and a listed company, the, the, the M&A question was always asked. And that's obviously something always on our radar, on my radar. Uh, and Eventful was our first acquisition just at the beginning of 2020. So we shared some clients and how we got to know each other. And if you look at the full service approach to particularly some of our professional service clients that are looking for a high level engaging conference, a big part of it is actually finding the venue, the hotel, the location. Is it in Europe? Is it in America? Is it in Asia? Yeah. And Eventful specialize in that part and also have a kind of internal comms incentive travel part of the business. So it was a, it was a very good match for us. So you had some bits that overlapped and then you had some other bits were, that were quite specific and, and you saw them as a nice add-on to what you already had. It was a nice addition, absolutely, um, and it has, has proven to be so. Uh, and also had a fantastic high-level client list that obviously when we acquired them and joined our group to cross-sell our services and that's proved to be very, very fruitful. Likewise back for eventful selling into our client base. Uh, so it wasn't just a, a, a bolt on for more of the same. It was a addition for a different specialism, different skill set. And obviously it makes a lot of sense. Now, I see that you've just appointed a US president to run Cheerful 21st Inc. Why was it important for you to do that now at this point? Because you've been building up your New York office and your presence in the US for a little while. Why did you see that that was important to appoint a US president? And what are your ambitions now for the US arm? I mean, we made the fairly bold move in opening our New York office in the middle of COVID in 2020. 
we had clients based there who needed our services and we saw an opportunity. And that very much was a little bit of a, uh, a toe into the American market, which was a, an office and a couple of staff there manning it. So much more of a satellite entity and with a vision to grow that. And for the last sort of 12, 24 months, we've pushed out more full-time staff. We have an office in the Rockefeller Center. And really the next stage is to have someone there really boots on the ground of a very senior level to drive that business forward. And that's a big push for the group and within Cheerful 21st Inc., that's a big growth area for us. And we see huge potential there. The, the American market is far larger than the European market by a factor of five times. And um, we're just scratching the surface there. Then it's going fantastically well as well. Um, there are a lot of assumptions that I would say British companies make by going into America, which are wrong. And we had a lot of insight and a lot of experience by the person we hired way back when we first opened in 2020, and we saw that opportunity. So we've been smart about understanding the market, understanding the language, although it's English, quite different for terminology. Uh, and that's put us in a really solid place to start building it now. Yeah. So obviously that office is in New York. Do you have plans to go to the West Coast at some point and, and do LA, San Fran? or Because obviously there's a load of corporates out on the West Coast there who I'm assuming would be right in your wheelhouse for a kind of corporate experience market. Um, absolutely a consideration. I would say post-COVID that geographic location is not as important. To be in the country is important. But the West Coast, as you say, there's a huge market there. And that, that would be a natural extension. We do actually have associates already based there. And if I look at some of our workforce, they're actually based across Central, not Central America, Middle America, uh, West Coast and East Coast. I think the focus is to get the East Coast rock solid and be the mothership. There's a lot of technology brands as well based in the East Coast and also particularly professional services and financial services, which are strong as well. But I think we'll look at opportunities there. That will make more sense uh, as an acquisition, potentially. Now, Steve, I, I don't want to dwell too much on the financials because we're digging into the company and, and your background. But Arima is profitable, which, you know, uh, for a name-listed company can sometimes be quite novel. Uh, you recently updated the market uh, saying you anticipate record revenue this year of no less than 19.8 million. Now, that, that would be a dramatic jump from the 12.2 million that you posted last year. And profitable before tax is also expected to be no less than 950,000 up from 844,000. So just talk me through what's driven sales so dramatically this year. Yeah, I think we are the exceptional aim. Profitable, growing, paying dividends, cash in the bank, and an experience management team. I think the journey for the, the success started when uh, I moved from being MD to CEO, along with my colleague Andrew, who became the MD. And we had an opportunity to kind of really run the mothership about five years ago. And there were several parts of that. One, to sort our house out and look at our proposition, which is much more moving from delivery production to strategy, insight, and creation. And that stood as well. And that's been the bedrock of our growth like uh, plan going forward. Then, obviously, COVID happened, and because we had switched that strategic comms point of view, and by the way, it was a live event, we very quickly switched into that virtual piece. So during COVID and coming out of COVID, we picked up lots of new clients um, and grew rapidly. The 
a certain amount of our reinvestment was into strengthening our account development team and our sales and marketing team, look at our product and really strengthen our creative team. So we came out of COVID really strong with new clients. Again, that was a record year at 7 million. And then we nearly doubled that again to 12 million. And then we went from 12 million to 24 million. And that's ultimately down to great leadership, uh, very confident, secure management team, taking some very calculated but very bold moves, moving to America, opening America, acquiring a couple of agencies along the way, and just really cementing the quality of our products. And along that journey, we picked up many new clients and going back to that account model where we are doing multiple projects for one client. Back in the day when we were just about doing the show, we'd do one show and wait for it next year. Oh, it's come around again. So that that has completely changed. So you'd say reinvestment, strength in our offering, confidence in our growth plan uh, and actually uh, doing fantastic work, which is obviously recognised because we win loads of awards. Now, you touched on it just a minute ago when we were talking about your expansion plans for the US. Given that you've got a fairly solid financial foundation here now and you are relatively firmly established in the US, you touched on it there that you're going to be keeping an eye out for acquisitions. So talk me through that strategy with acquisitions. How would you fund that? Do you have some targets that you're currently weighing up? What's the situation there? First of all, M&A is easy to say. It's only three little letters. Far harder to do, in my experience and in practice. Um, so we are looking under certain criteria. There's obvious criteria in market sectors we don't operate in, whether it be geographically or, or vertical service lines. And the size and the, the makeup of company makes a difference. The tricky thing for us in our industry is it is a people-run business. Uh, and when you're buying another agency, it tends to be several principles that you're buying. So in essence, you're buying clients and you're buying talent. So part of our strategy is we will do that. We will hire great talent and get great clients, but we won't do it by an acquisition uh, per se. But we will keep our eyes open. Now, we talked a little bit there about your longevity in the business. You say on your website that you've got more than 30 years of expertise in this area. If I may, could I take you even further back to your childhood? Talk me through, where did you grow up? What was that like? What did mum and dad do? Have you got siblings? Um, So, wow, way back. So I grew up in North London, a place called Palmer's Green. I guess there's always been some creativity in my uh, family, my father trained as an architect. And I remember as a kid, he used to come home and bring his drawings at home. And I used to kind of add buildings or add windows. Went to a local comprehensive. What was that like? Brilliant fun, actually. <laughs> I, I, I had a really good school, out of school. There was actually a youth club that uh, we used to hang out. You know, your first school disco to your first kind of uh, get your bike and get your roller skates. And then for, for us... As kids, we were into motorbikes a lot at 16. Um, but I was very good at art, and I was also very good at computer science. So two, two extremes. I was good at maths and computer science, and I was really good at art, um, which going back to what I said earlier, I actually got an apprenticeship job as a trainee computer graphic designer. And the two qualifications were you needed to be good at art and computer science. So um, thrived in it. I've always been a very, very quick learner, and I've also been... Um, People say to me, I have an instinctive work ethic. I work really hard. I don't think I know everything. 
uh, and quickly picked up um, my skills as a graphic designer. That's quite interesting that you were good at the maths and the logic part of your brain, but also had a creative element to yourself as well. I mean, that's kind of the skills that I'm guessing that your dad might have had to be an architect because architects are problem solvers, but you also have to be pretty creative. That's right. I think so. It is that blend. And, you know, in the very early days of working with computers and graphics, I was riding that desktop publishing revolution and desktop video. You had to learn how to use a computer, which was a bit of code and programming just to make it work. Um, I found an industry that I love. And ultimately, I can be creative. I can work with big brands and I can put in something that other people will see. If you ask a lot of creative people, what gets them out of bed and what gets them excited is the reaction to their work. And in the live experience world, you get an instant reaction, which is uh, in the advertising and marketing services, you don't quite get sometimes. If you're putting out a TV ad or you're putting out a poster campaign or a publication, you don't see the audience reaction as such. Um, Also, um, um, I play to win. Um, I hate losing. And along the way, I have learned probably the most important things around people and management and leadership. And I think colleagues will say that I have an ability for people to believe in a vision and follow me on a journey. I think when I first started my agency, you're full of ego. Hey, mom, and I'm, I'm a managing director. It's like, no, that's, that's not important. Are your team motivated? Is, are your team delivering? Are they growing? Are they being nurtured? Um, and that is a fundamental approach I have, which is happy team first tends to have happy clients next, yeah. which tends to follow with profits in an order. Uh, and then shareholders should, you know, enjoy that. It shows in our growth, you know, we've been profitable for a very long time. We've been in the industry for 20 years, a name listing company. We pay out dividends. We got nearly just under 2 billion cash in the bank. That is not just one person. That is a team of beautiful collective or eclectic people doing great work. And just to round that off is the huge amount of variety. As you say, on one end, we're talking to a high-level C-suite audience for one of the global consultancies to YouTube, for example, down to the fact that we're building something in Cannes on on a beach for a brand activation for Wall Street Journal, which is one of the highest British publications. Um, I'm very lucky. So I'm quite interested. You didn't go the academic route you, uh, out of school. You didn't go to university. Um, was it was that ever on the cards for you? Was uni ever on the cards, or was it just something that you just thought, "Oh no, it's not for me"? Uh, honestly, it was never on the cards. I was actually too into motorbikes and girls, to be honest. <laughs> um, and I just I saw this job apprenticeship, Capital Radio. Um, used to advertise jobs in the radio and it said trainee computer graphic design you need a level computer science and a level maths and music i went for it so i got the job i think i was one of 50 applicants i had nothing to lose at the time carl by the way i thought i'd give it a go and just found a a niche that i thrived in and and continue to thrive in so it's interesting so now you're on the other side of it now and you interview people to come into your agency what do you look for when you see young 16 bright-eyed 16 17 18 you know 20 year olds are you bothered about whether they've been to uni or are you looking for that creative spark that you had i'm certainly not at all 
bothered about university education, but I'm also just as impressed if someone's done a degree at Central St. Martin's, yeah. I, I take all views. We have a policy now of advertising all our jobs that specifically say you do not need a degree. Um, right. And to your point, it's you can manners, politeness, the appreciation that it, it's a two-way contract here. If you put something in, we will give you something back and both of you will thrive. I, I meet loads of amazing kids, by the way. I think the kids get a bad reputation from all sorts of works, walks of background. There's a, there's a certain passion I think you get from people who really want, uh, want their job. Part of the joy of having an, run an agency for 30 years is seeing young boys and girls come for work for us. You're literally at 16, back in the days of youth training schemes, and they are still with me or part of the industry, and they are successfully with their partners, with children, with a mortgage thriving and they came with no no qualifications um so i'm uh, very open-minded i do think a university is great by the way particularly for creative services actually both my children have finished university despite the fact i haven't gone but i think it takes all sorts you know and we have a very positive dni policy that is not something new for us we've been running for many 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 years in- instinctively uh, we just now formalize that one just one last question before we say goodbye. So, what do you do to relax outside work? Have you got any hobbies or favourite pastimes? Do you still ride a bike, for instance? Uh, do you still restore bikes? Uh, yeah. Well, I've got a nice Indian motorcycle, Boba Chopper motorcycle. Recently, the wife is brilliant. She approved that. What is my hobby? My hobby is going to my workshop and repairing, and then repairing. My escapism is mechanics. That's where I can completely switch off because it become living in the moment and focus on that. That's still my passion. Uh, and then on top of that, I love snowboarding and wakeboarding. It's interesting because that kind of logical bit of your brain that you've just described again there, you know, the, me- the mechanics, you know, you have to be pretty practical to do that. And yet you've also got this creative side. So that still permeates in through your life now. Absolutely. Um, I think to be creative is to be human. Come on. Uh, I know we have an industry that's creative services, but everyone's creative. Yeah, you wake up in the morning and you, you want to work out what to wear. That's a creative thought process. So I think, you know, to be able to, have the, to in an industry you can make a living from, for being creative is what, what a dream. And I am continually uh, surprised myself where I saw, oh, my God, that's amazing, and brings a tear to my eye when one of the, my team produces a show. You know, it's still amazing. Um, so long may that continue. <laughs> Yeah, fantastic. Well, Steve Quart, I've already taken up too much of your time uh, this morning. Thank you ever so much for joining us on the All Points West podcast, and I wish you all the best of luck. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Carl. Cheers.